How many of you are familiar with the fable of the tortoise and the hare? Yeah, most, as I figured. It's a, a timeless tale. Fables are, are kind of meant to be like, a, here's the moral of the story. And this story teaches uh, some amazing things. Yes, slow and steady does win the race, but that'll maybe be for a different sermon. Because uh, what I think is the most important thing that comes from this story is that it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. I mean, the tortoise got off to a terrible start. After all, he's a tortoise. Makes sense. Uh, he pretty much lost the race before it even began. And then the hare, oh, he had the, the race in the bag. But then he got cocky or he got lazy and he lost. It's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. Today we're going to be taking that sentiment and expounding upon it as we continue our series, Stories of Sinful Saints. And today we are looking at Justinian. <clears throat> Justinian was born in the Eastern Roman Empire in the year 482 to a peasant family. Now being born uh, into a peasant family in any time period would have been very difficult. Uh, being a peasant was on the very bottom of the societal hierarchy. You know, there would have been privileges that other people had that they simply wouldn't have had. And uh, they would have probably just done all that they could to simply make it. You know, just to get by with their lives. This would not have been a situation where growing up a child would think, I can do anything I want if I put my heart to it. You know, they didn't have good education. They didn't have opportunities to improve their life. Being in Rome, well, Rome wasn't exactly a place known for showing grace to anyone. His life was almost all but guaranteed to be bound to the life of a peasant. But fortunately for him, his uncle Justin uh, adopted him into his family in order to give him a better life. In fact, later his uncle Justin would become the emperor of Rome. And so Justin took Justinian along with him to Constantinople. And there, Justinian studied law, history, and theology. Justinian's life really turned around when his uncle adopted him. The trajectory of his life changed. And it was because of this and his hard work ethic uh, that were both factors in all the impact that he had in his life. So much so that Justinian himself would become the emperor of the Eastern Roman Empire in the year 527, so before he even turned 50 years old. And he had a, a great impact as he served as emperor. One of the things he had done was he had a, a revised and a comprehensive code of law put into effect uh, under his command. And it was something that carried on long after his death. When Justinian's life completely turned around, he ended up having a great impact on a lot of people. Now, that's great and all, but it doesn't really have anything to do with his faith. So for Justinian, his uh, impact on the Christian faith would come later in life, after his wife died, and he began to devote a great amount of time and energy to working on matters of the church, theological issues. 
because remember, in addition to uh, studying law and history, he also studied theology. And he had a lasting impact on the legal side of things, as I mentioned. But he had perhaps an even larger impact on the Christian church as a whole. You and I, we, we probably take for granted a lot of the doctrine that we know today. Especially if you've grown up in the church, you probably understand doctrine as well as we can, uh, and, and you probably have a good general understanding of it. But for us to stand upon those doctrines today, somebody had to wrestle with them first. And so for Christians in the time of Justinian, they did just that. They wrestled with the nature of Christ. You know, today we confess that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Today we confess that he is eternal with God the Holy Spirit and God the Father, and so on. But back then, they were the ones who wrestled with understanding and making sense of who Jesus was. And so in the year 533, the Fifth Ecumenical Council was held to do just that, to, to wrestle with the issues and to try to get a biblically accurate understanding of the nature of Christ. Now, this council was held because there were some teachings that were going around the church that were wrong and even harmful. And so this council discussed two main heresies, Nestorianism and Eutychianism. Now, I won't pretend for a second that anybody here other than maybe uh, a pastor Smith or, or people who have studied theology are any bit interested in the ins and outs of these uh, heresies. So I'm not going to bore you to tears with going into details. But I bring these up just to highlight that these heresies greatly miss the mark about understanding who Jesus is. And by doing so, they create huge problems for the Christian faith as a whole. A heresy is something that, uh, like a poison that enters the body, can kill if it's not dealt with. And so these heresies led to an improper understanding of who Jesus is. And that can easily become an issue of salvation. And so while it's not the most glamorous thing, these, this council was hugely important for the Christian faith. And this council by the way, took place under, you guessed it, Justinian. Not only did Justinian have an impact on the longevity of his nation, but he also left a, a massive impact on Christianity as a whole. Do you remember where his life story started? As a peasant. For all intents and purposes, his future was going to be more focused on survival than on any kind of lasting impact on anyone. His future probably seemed bleak and hopeless. But God tends to have a, uh, but God has a tendency to change what we think our future is going to look like. God likes to take people who seem pretty unspectacular, unimportant, who have a, a flawed history, who have a history filled with difficulties, he likes to do bigger things with them than they had planned for themselves. Obviously, we see that with Justinian, but there are plenty of other examples. Look at Abraham. Abraham was old, didn't have any kids, and worshipped a different god. 
Yet God made him the father of many nations. And it was to Abraham that God promised, uh, that God made the covenant promise to. What about David? David was the youngest of all of his brothers, this scrawny little shepherd boy. Yet God made David his anointed king. And it was to David that God promised to put an heir on the throne forever. Talking about Jesus. What about Ruth? Ruth was a non-Israelite. Uh, she married into it. And in fact, she became a widowed non-Israelite. Yet it was through her that God kept the promise. It was through her that the promised Savior would eventually come through her direct family history. What about Peter, the leading disciple of Jesus? He was an uneducated fisherman, yet Jesus used him to be one of the leading forces of changing the world, of, of sharing the gospel message. I could literally go on and on giving example after example of people who by all accounts, were, had, uh, had lives that were nothing spectacular, who didn't have big plans for their life, but who God chose to work through them to do big things. Whether you have big plans for your life or you relate to one of these people, the same is true for us. God uses unqualified people people who have failed miserably, people who continue to fail, people who have a complicated history. Those are the people that God chooses to work through. Now, are you going to have your name spoken in 100, 200, 500 years from now as being somebody who defended an important Christian doctrine just like Justinian? Or are you going to be somebody who is talked about, about, you know, these group of people, they hated Christianity, and you convinced them that Jesus is the Son of God like Peter? Pro probably not. But who knows? None of these people expected for that to be the case in their lives. But what I do know for sure is that whether or not you have an impact that is talked about for generations to come or not, God is still working through you, even in the seemingly small ways. In God's master plan, there is no deed or detail that is too small. Everything matters. And as we see from Justinian, and quite frankly, most people throughout the Bible, God's dreams for us tend to be far bigger than our dreams for ourselves. And I think that's one of the first major takeaway from Justinian's life. That though he probably didn't expect, uh, and though we probably don't expect uh, being used for anything big, God is working in all things for his master plan. The second takeaway from Justinian's life is the beginning of his life did not define him or his future. He would have had plenty of reason to be like, you know what? I'm a peasant. I don't have education. I don't have any hope for doing anything differently. Would have been fair for him to, to say that and just give up. But he continued to work in the situations that God had placed him in. 
He continued to work and serve and honor God in the best way he could. And it just so ended up being as an emperor and as a doctrinal defender. Some of you may have had something in your life story that could be a deterring factor, like, oh, this will definitely prevent me from, uh, or disqualify me from God being able to use me. I think we could probably all come up with reasons why we can't or, or shouldn't do something. Sometimes it, it could be our upbringing, or it could be some kind of limitation or, or disability. Or it could even be your own failings, your sin. But in Christ, your past does not define you. Your past is certainly a part of your story, but it's not what determines your future. In Christ, you are made new. Like Paul says in Galatians 2.20, you are made new. The old, that's gone. The new, new has come. And what an amazing gift that is. You know, in Christ, your story is not based upon how well you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps. In Christ, you are made new. Notice, you're not the one doing that. God is. And in Christ, there is nothing from your past that disqualifies you from present or future work. That God is working through you. In fact, God chooses to work through sinful people. God chooses to give a future to people who have had a rugged past. That's called grace. And that grace that God shows towards you says that your yesterday doesn't matter as much as your tomorrow. God's grace towards you gives you hope for the future. Never shame or regret over the past. God is the author of your future, and he is constructing beautiful, powerful things in your life. He's working in your life to show you his grace and for you to be able to share that with others. So just as we learn from Justinian and from the tortoise and the hare, it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. With God working in your life, what a beautiful finish that is. Amen. Lord God, we thank you that in you, our past is not what defines us. Whether it's our sin, whether it's uh, the family we were raised in, no matter what, our past does not define us. Lord, you work through Jesus into our hearts to, to make us into what you are creating us to be, to, to do things through us that we could never imagine. God, we know that this is all for your glory, and we thank you that you, you do beautiful things out of the ash, out of the dust of our lives. Help us to remember that, that you are never done with us, that our yesterday is not what you look at. It's our tomorrow, the, the hope that you give us because of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.